Hi, is uh, is this thing on? Hello? Okay. Well, my name is Cheyenne Tyler Jacobs, and I am the host of As I Was Saying Podcast. Consider me your best friend that's not just going to let you sit there and think problematic thoughts. So sit back, relax, make sure you're following us on Instagram, As I Was Saying Podcast. Follow me, she will speak, and let's get it popping on this week's episode. Hello, everyone, and happy Thursday. So if you did not see... Your girl turned 25 on Tuesday. I don't really know how I feel about it. Uh, (laughs) Not gonna lie to y'all. But I'm blessed to see another year. I'm blessed to have such a supportive family, friends, and all of y'all. Y'all showed out and showed up social distancing wise on social media, of course. But I'm really blessed on a serious note to have people in my corner that truly support me, truly know me, and are truly ready to, you know, celebrate me. Uh, I'm never somebody who does something for their birthday. And it's actually funny because this year I was like, well, I'm turning 25. Let me do something special. And then quarantine was like, we got you with something special. You won't be quarantined in a pandemic. And I'm like, you know, this will be a great story one day. Not what I was thinking though. Um, But I'm really happy and blessed to, as I said before, be here, be speaking, being able to tell y'all 25. And I'm just, I don't know. I'm ready to see what this year brings since this past year, 24 was amazing. Being able to start this podcast, being able to expand the She Will Speak series, being able to meet some amazing people, right? But this episode is not about me. This episode was actually a, um, is going to be an interview with a past interviewee I had. And I was waiting for the right time to drop this episode. And I feel now at the height of Black Lives Matter when it comes to not only protesting for rights, but also understanding the injustice that comes with black families and the injustice that comes with you know our lives as a whole I never really thought too much when I was younger about the problems it would be to have a child right like when I was a kid I always saw myself like I want I want three kids I want to adopt one and it's like I would tote that around to everybody like yeah I want kids I want kids and the older I get and the more I see how black people are killed black men are criminalized we are still screaming for our voices and our names and our identity to be seen it made me almost sad to say do I really want to bring children into a world like this and you know being able to sit down with Jackie who was the founder of Modern Melanin Mom and discuss you know what it really means to not only be a mom But what it particularly means to be a a black mom, because I think sometimes when we think of motherhood, sometimes in society, it becomes very, you know, white centered, cis dimensional, right? I just, I did just make that term up. We're just all going to go with it and and pretend that it's in a dictionary somewhere. But on a serious note, it's this one dimensional term. And when we look at motherhood, though, for communities that are oppressed, for communities that are literally, as I said before, struggling to find an identity, we learned that motherhood is actually very complex. And how do we navigate motherhood at a time when people are literally being killed for being who they are? So 
we talk about motherhood in this episode as a whole, talking about motherhood as far as how we actually fail women when it comes to motherhood, which is was very interesting. But as I always tell y'all, I'm done talking. I'm going to let this interview play because me and Jackie went on forever, but it was a much needed conversation, especially as someone who hopes to be a mother one day and, you know, will regardless be the mother to a black child and what that looks like. So everyone, I welcome Jackie, the founder of Modern Melvin Mom, to As I Was Saying Podcast. So hello, Jackie. How are you doing today? I'm good. How are you? Good. Thank you so much for joining us on As I Was Saying Podcast. So can you tell everybody a little bit about yourself, you know, what you're doing and your platform? Because I stumbled upon it. I believe it was on LinkedIn and Instagram. <laughs> okay, so I'm the founder of Modern Melon and Mom. We are based out of New Jersey, um, but we work with other states, but primarily New Jersey. I found Mel- started Melon and Mom based off of me just needing somewhere for Black moms to go with their children, like to create a space for us to have an environment, a safe space for us to have an environment for us to like enjoy our children and not feel like we're ostracized from other you know, other mothers, pretty much. So we do a bunch of events. We do things like yoga. We do things like we had a event at the mall with this lady who I thought was really dope. She was a black mom and we just got together. It was like a meet and greet. We do like summits, just kind of creating a space and having a culture for black moms and black children, pretty much. Well, I love it. First of all, I did not know that you were based out of New Jersey. I'm originally from New Jersey. So um, one of my next question for you, because I have, I think now when you start to get older, like your friendship conversations change. I just posted this yesterday. Like, I remember being eight talking about recess and now like I'm asking people like, well, like, how did you become a single parent? And like, like, what is like, what is the school system saying about like your son and his late homework? And it's like, the conversations are so different. Like when I was a child and like now. Um, So what are some things that, you know, Mm-hmm. you wish would have been taught to you or told to you, you know, about parenting, um, especially whether it's like parenting as a whole, but especially Ooh. in like that aspect of like motherhood. Like what are some things that like, you did not know? And you're like, y'all could have put this in a book somewhere. You're like, oh, a lot. Like, how long is this episode? Ooh, so yeah, Jesus. I would say breastfeeding breastfeeding is very difficult we have this thing in society we're like oh you're just automatically going to latch or you're just automatically going to produce and you're going to automatically just do these things and you don't and you're you know you kind of get disappointed like oh wait i'm not breastfeeding oh my god my child's not getting enough and i'm not producing and i'm not you know and you're just like you you go through kind of like being upset like oh my god something's wrong with me something's wrong with why am i not what's what's going on so i would say breastfeeding is the biggest Biggest, uh, sorry, that's my child knocking in the back. Sorry. <laughs> I'm like, that, that's my child knocking in the back. So that's the biggest breastfeeding. And then I would say, yeah, I think I would say breastfeeding is like the biggest, biggest thing. Oh, and that you're going to get a break. Like there's no such thing as breaks in motherhood. Like there's no, I don't care if you have a village. I don't care if you have an entourage. It's beautiful, but you really don't get a break. Like you are, you are a mom 24-7. And you know, in particular, the Black community, we tend to be more single moms. We tend to have this notion of, like, 
the dad is there, but then like he's really not there, or if he's there, he's not there in a strong presence. For me, for, that I've noticed in the black community, I would say those are two of the biggest things. Like, there's so many I can go on that are so small and so big and so in between, but those are just the biggest things I would say that that we in the black community and motherhood period don't don't touch upon or the misconception of of that and something that um i have a one of my mentors she actually has a podcast as well and it's i mean can we discuss and she told me because she's um a mom of two boys and she said another thing especially with women is because that point too and i've heard a lot of men sometimes get mad when it's like y'all talk about us and fatherhood and again i have very blessed to have like my father in my life so i don't think it's like you said that men are not prominent father figures i actually think sometimes society prepares especially black men to not be you know, with ma- obviously mass incarceration, but also like the narrative that they are bad. But I do think one thing that my my mentor Asher said to me is that women are taught to be mothers before we are even mothers. Like we are taught like yeah. how to parent. And so what is your thought on that? Do you feel like as women, like if there's an inherent difference between like men being taught to be parenting figures and then women, it's kind of like you're five and it's like, here's a baby you know, you gotta learn how to cook. And it's like, well, dang, like, what if, you know, and I never realized it until she said it, like, we're, you were taught to be a mother before you even had a man or whoever. I can, when I say I agree with that, I agree that we are definitely taught to be mothers. Now, now that you actually put them, especially women when they have females, when they have like girls and are about to give birth to girls, it's definitely like, oh, well, you have to prep her to do this and prep her to do this, prep her to do this. I didn't, I can say for me personally, I didn't really have that experience because number one, I wasn't a cooker. So I wasn't really like in the kitchen like that. And I wasn't really that one, but that was a struggle for me because when I got into a relationship, you know, it became, oh, your mom. So you're all these things that I was not personally taught, but I do see in society as that's something we're supposed to do. I do think it comes across and we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to be mom. And then I think it's supposed to be okay, we're mom, we're working mom, we are the housewife and everything in between when you become a mom. So I definitely think we are prepared and prepped unconsciously, yet consciously, <laughs> that to be a mom before. Like you said, even giving the dolls, like we're giving doll babies. Or you see girls now, little girls, I see on Instagram, they put the, the doll to their breast and they're like two. And it's like, okay, so we're teaching our child to breastfeed and we're teaching our child to you know, become a mom. And I think that's in a sense a setup because now with infertility being mm. so high, we teach these things and we may poss- they may possibly have the chance of not becoming a mother, not directly that way or just- I, I never even thought about it from that aspect too. Like infertility being so high, we teach them, we teach them skills, we teach them skills, we teach them skills. And then they become 25 or they become 30 or 45 because we're not having children later and life and then they may not have the chance to even become a mom wow that you know I, I like I said I never even thought about it from that angle where it's like no like you're really I see you see my face like you're really blowing my mind right now because that is probably why even when it and I mean if there's a lot of hormonal reasons why you have like something such as like postpartum depression that can last a long time you know especially if you're a new mother or like a new mother in any sense because I I believe and I've heard it like even if you're on your fourth child you're a new mother because Mm -hmm. now your life changed because like the other three are not gonna be like this one and this one will change like my mom would like every one of y'all broke a mold like we thought we got it and then we had someone that was like (laughs) who is this right but I think that point of 
you know, you're setting them up for failure because like you said, they could A, not want to be a parent. So now you make them feel like their lesson or like, you know, B, they might not have children and they're struggling or C, like you said, you might have a child and like, you might not be able to breastfeed or maybe you are in this depression or you're not this overtly happy person. Like I've actually seen some of my friends, which really shocked, like it shocked me because when you think of motherhood, they always show you like, oh, like it's the best. Like you're going to take the baby home and be blessed and happy. And I went to like, one of my friend's house and I saw one of my friend's status and honestly I was like you good because like you look like if you could just leave the baby at the hospital that would be she would like I promise you that was her face and the other one like my other friend she was really just like I'm just like I really don't want to be going through this process and but now thinking about it from that angle and I'm really gonna like take that back with me if you're teaching girls like you said a tool that this is what you're supposed to do and then they get older can't don't want to or maybe it doesn't work out the way you taught them of course they're going to feel depressed you set them up with the baby doll you know Brittany and she was like okay you know we changing Brittany we doing Mm -hmm. this and I was like dang like my baby don't even want me to hold them or even like a big thing with me like when I had my first son like no one ever told me about colic right my son was colicky I was literally about to lose it I was like what is this? What is wrong with my child? I would take him to the hospital. We would take him to the doctor's office. And we're like, why, why is he crying consistently? Like, what's wrong with him? And they were like, oh, well, he has colic. And I'm like, well, what is colic? Like, just a lack of education when it comes to, and like you said, I didn't set myself up in my mind. I was going to have a perfect baby who slept, you know, eight hours when they came in six months and, you know, had a perfect baby. The way you said it now, like eight hours, it's like, whoa, was I lied to? Yeah. Like- <laughs> and then he cried consistently for the first three months straight. From, he started at 8 p.m. and did not get quiet until 4 a.m. straight for three months. No one talks about these things. These are conversations you don't have. So then when you get thrown into it and you're like, but this is not, well, this is not motherhood. That's when the postpartum depression comes in. That's when things come in of that nature. That's when women say, I really don't want my baby. I did, this is not what I wanted. This is not what society portrayed motherhood to be. And then also it affects your relationships like with your spouses. Like so many people end up breaking up with their spouses because of all that comes along with motherhood, just the stresses of motherhood alone, trying to figure out a system, trying to figure out you, you just, like you said, you, every time you have a child, you become a different person. Every time you, be, and your first one is hard because everybody wants to give you some mothering advice. Somebody wants to tell you something. Somebody wants to say something that happened in 1992. And you're like, I just want to figure out how to, not drop the bottle and, and, and change the pamphlet and not, you know, just try to figure it out. And you just get a lot of information at one time and it affects the mother tremendously. It, it does. It really puts a big, big, big like halt. Like I don't think I mothered well with my first child. I think now I've gotten better at it just as time went on. But when I initially became a mother, I was like, I don't know what I'm doing. I have no clue. And then older mothers, like my mother, my aunts, my, you know, my community, they were just giving me information. I was like, I don't want to receive this. Like, I want to learn how to be a mother on my own. And people don't realize in that you take away from the mother, which again, causes postpartum depression, which again, causes you to maybe not heal as well. You know, when you're going through your stresses, your, your body doesn't heal properly. You know, if you have stitches and you're going through all these stresses, you're not healing as well as you think you should. But that also, you're trying to figure out your new body because you have a new body. 
Like I had my son at 28 and I was like, whoa, where's my 27 year old body? Like, where is that body? And I had to adjust the stretch marks. I had to address that just to, I wasn't getting my stomach back all the way. And just things I didn't prepare for that you're not prepared for. And it all plays into a societal thing because we're so quick to be like, oh, you got to get that snapback body. Let me tell you something, sis, you ain't getting that snapback body. Yeah, you may look up, like with the clothes on, but you have a stretch mark here. Right, it's not, it, it's not, it's not gonna, it's not gonna, and I actually just had this conversation um, with one, like I, my friend just posted like, you know, people, she was like, people post their glow ups, I wanna see glow down. And I texted her, I was like, first of all, you, you, you bad at every decade I've seen you in. But like you said, I'm like, I think sometimes we set ourselves up for failure. And this is even like now beyond motherhood, because like you said, we expect like, oh, well, this is what I look like at 18. That's my point. You, you 29 now. That was 18. Like 18 to 29, you not gonna look the same. And like, I, I told my friend, I'm like, and at the end of the day, especially like for the hormonal body of women, weight is one of the first things mm-hmm. that fluctuates. You know, I'm like, cause I told her and, I have a small frame. I was like, but I was like a size zero. I'm like, so I honestly, up until I would say like a year ago, could fit into clothes I had in high school. And then one day I was like, oh, I'm like, dang, I gotta get new. I was happy just rocking with these same. I had to get new clothing. And people were like, what happened? Like, what did you start doing? I didn't start working out. I didn't start eating different. I'm like, your body just changes. Like, I'm like, I'm not 15 anymore. It's like, I'm going to be 25. So my body's like, bet you're 25. Now let's do what this new body looks like. And like you said, when you add something such as motherhood, where you're, you're growing like an eight pound being inside of you, the idea that you're not going to be different. You're right. Like no one tells you that when you have, we're two with the baby doll. Like, oh, and by the you're way, extra thigh that's right. <laughs> yeah. Like that 24 year old body, if you get pregnant, you better just take a photo and just sit on that for a minute because it's not going to be there. Like you said, nobody tells you that. So you, I'm sure it's, it's really depressing when it's like, dang, like I used to look like this. What happened? Because I'm thinking about it. No one, no one talks about bot. No one even says something like, hey, that depression with even being comfortable with this body that you had and loving this body. And now it's different. And you're like you said, you're taking care of the baby that's crying from 8 p.m. to 4 a.m. And you're like, I have stretch marks because of you. And now I'm now I can't go to sleep because like, of you, right? <laughs> it's like because of you. You're like you're like I need you to. I need you to get it. It's a, it's something that in the black community, these are conversations that we just push to the side, right? Which causes us to have mental health that gets unaddressed. We get the conversations of you know just suck it up. That's what we're supposed to do as mothers. And I'm like that. That's not what you're supposed to do as a mother, right? As a mother, you're supposed to be a healthy, conscious person. You're supposed to realize something's not right. Okay, this is not right. And I had to. T- I had to step back. I had my son, and I was still in school. And I remember going to school, and I'm like, oh my god, I'm working full time. I'm going to school full time. I have a brand new baby. I was like, and I was a single mother, so I was like, I don't understand, and I'm not getting a break. I literally had a meltdown in the middle of class and I was just like, I can't do this. I was like, I'm sorry. I can't do this right now and broke down terribly. I was like, you know, I need to go talk to somebody, but you know, old school black moms, they're like, Oh no, 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 no. You know, you just must do it. You just get through it. And it's like, no, no, I can't get through this. This is something I have to figure out. I have to figure out how to make sense of this in order for me to be a productive mother from my child and be a healthy mother. Like that's the biggest thing. You have to be healthy. And I think in the black community, we are still, against therapy and we're against trying to get these things uh, like it's, if you're not comfortable being a mother it's okay to talk about it let me tell you something you're not gonna love your child the moment you push your child out you're not gonna go oh my god I love my baby oh my god I'm so used to my body you're gonna be like what is going on 
and it's okay to have these conversations. And I think that we're not, we're not good with these conversations. We're not good with the conversations of body image after having a baby. We're not good with, Hey, I didn't really like my baby. I didn't, I didn't like my baby. I didn't, I don't, I don't understand why I don't like my baby. These conversations and we're just not we're doing it because society. Um, yeah. And society is saying like, you just have to weather through it. You just have to, you just, no. it's motherhood. You got to figure it out and you got to put that face on and you've got to get back to work six weeks after you have your baby. You're like six weeks after I have my baby. Like my stitches aren't even healed. Like right. it's just like a push. And you're almost denying the real conversations. One of the shows, um, and I'm mad I didn't watch it back in 2016 when it aired, because I, I personally liked it. It was Jane the Virgin, which is like a telenovela and a telenovela. And I loved the show. And that was actually a really deep line because the main character, Jane, like asked her mom, like, because her mom had her, I think, I want to say it was at 16. And she was like, you know, did you regret having me? And her answer was, you know, you're one of the best things you're one of the best things that happened in my life and she was like that wasn't the question she was like I know and then she just walked away and it was like that moment though of like oh because it was like or, and no actually it was that and then she was like do you feel like I derailed your plans and she was like you're the best thing that happened she was like I asked you if you regretted it or if I derailed your plans and she literally was like I know what you asked and just walked away because like you said we I feel like, um, and I, I, one of my, like I told you, my mentor, we talked about the aspects of duality. Both narratives can exist at the same time. You could love your child and be happy to be a mother, but also mm -hmm. be like, I had plans or I had this idea of what my life would be with this aspect happening. Or let's call it, be honest, people who did not plan a pregnancy and you went through with it, now you're a mom. And it's like, I didn't plan for this and I can still be upset that it's like, wow, like this is not my life anymore. And I think like you said, by denying it, we're actually denying, you know, healthy conversations and healthy lifestyles because I honestly think a lot, and, and like you said, in the black community, like I said, I'm not a mother. However, I do feel that there is almost like a walking around of just straight up depression and the mental teaching mm -hmm. and we pass it down. And, and again, that whole, we'll get it together. That's what we taught each other. Like, cause they were probably depressed and was like, Oh, get it together. Like, this is your life mm -hmm. now. And it's like, I can still be upset. I can still grieve the fact that this was my body or this was my plan. Or honestly, even if I wanted to be a mom at this stage, this is not what I pictured like my baby. Cause that's another right. conversation of, uh, and I've heard a few people talk about it and it's a very touchy topic for people. But people who have children that have a form of a neurodiversity or a type or a disability and they didn't plan, mm. you know, like my mom talks about all the time and, you know, especially being in New Jersey, there's a high percentage of people with autism. And she's like, the one thing she thinks about is you taking care of these kids and what happens when you're gone. She's like, that, that breaks my right. heart to think like, what if I, you know, was in a situation and she's like, I think about these kids and these parents because that's hard. And like you said, not understanding like my child is, they can't do this. Well, what does life look like? And a lot of relationships, like you said, a lot of relationships are strained when children do have a neurodiversity or disability because you have one idea of parenting and working with them and the other person has the other idea. And nobody talks about that because it's like, well, you know, you should just be okay with it. Like, no, it's, it's hard enough having a child and what society says is like yes. a healthy baby, but now throw in like they might need you know, additional support, that's financial, that's mental, that's time. You know, um, I know people who have multiple siblings and the other kid feels slighted because you're always with this kid and they don't understand this child has a special need. So it's not that we don't want to be with you. They need our help right now. That's a, like, I'm, like I said, I'm not even a parent. That's a lot to figure out to, to, to juggle 
and like you said, go to work. And that actually goes into my next question. Do you feel like these nine to five jobs or any jobs have the empathy to be mindful of what it means to be a parent or a but yo, your face is like absolutely no. and, and <laughs> it's so funny because I had a, a aha moment before the coronavirus came into play. So I was already on the verge of leaving my job <laughs> because I was like, you know what? This is not what I want to do. Right. So this is not what I want to do. And y'all don't get it. Like, like my director was very understanding as far as okay, you're a little bit late, right? You're a little bit late here and there because, you know, mornings are a little hectic, you know? The six o'clock becomes 6.30, 6.30, become, become seven o'clock, seven o'clock becomes 7.30. You're like, oh my gosh, I'm going to be late. So he was a little understanding with that, but the culture within where I worked was not understanding to motherhood. Like they did not care. They were not the least bit concerned with anybody who had children when it came to the coronavirus. And I had a pre, my second child, um, his name is Genesis. He was a preemie. So he has lung condition, like a lung condition. So I was very concerned with this. And when all this started to happen, I was like, ah, you know what? I don't know if the nine to five thing is going to work for me anymore. And like, I laid off. So I was like, Ooh, God was looking out for me because I was like, I do not want to be here. I was like, this is not working. These corporations are not motherly, like motherly in the sense of just how they go about stuff, like how they just manage things. Like I always tell my director, I'm like, listen, I need to go get my child and I'm going to get a late fee. I have to go. And they're like, well, the work needs to be done. I understand the work needs to be done, but I'm also a mom. Like I'm also, you know, my kids have to get down at a certain time. My kids have to eat. Like my kids have been in school for eight hours. Like that's a very long time. And I'm just like, you don't get it. But I also realized while trying to figure this out, ready? Most ready, right? I'm ready. So most like directors, like managers and like CEOs of companies are white men. Right? They're white men. Oh. <laughs> they're white men. So they're not, they don't get uh who nanny, who you got to do, what you got to do, and what you got to do, like who you gotta pick up, where you gotta go, any of the above. They want their work to be done. Sorry if y'all hear my my crying baby in the background. Um <laughs> I'm like, my no, I said, like I said, it, it makes it more but real. Like, it makes the conversation real. Like, it, it, you just realize once there is a white man in that seat in any corporation, they are not going to get understanding of that. The understanding that, that you're a mother, they can care less that you're a single mother. Forget that you're a single mother trying to figure it out. The moment you say you're a mother, you are now ostracized in some way shape or form I talked to one of my one of my mentors and she was saying don't ever tell them that you're a mom and for me that was a slap in the face because I'm like I take pride in being a mother I enjoy being a mother even with the stresses I enjoy being a mother like I birthed both of these children like I love and adore my children why can't I say that and she's like because they're going to ostracize you and I was just like whoa and I had been with this organization for like going on three years. And when all of this happened, when the coronavirus happened, the layoffs happened, and just the understanding of me being a mother happened, I immediately thought I'm a mother. So I'm somewhere ostracized. And it made me really take a look at my next job because I'm like, if you don't understand or the person doesn't understand that I'm working for, that I have another obligation, that's going to be a conflict. And I'm just like, I just, it's, it's very, very hard for mothers. 
in a lot of ways out here with these nine to five jobs. And it makes you, and it pushes you to want to be an entrepreneur. It pushes you to want to do these other, you know, these other things are like, you know, or these other avenues that you wouldn't necessarily get because you get so stressed out with the nine to five job, because you get so stressed out with trying to feel like, oh my God, I got to be to work on time. Okay. But if I can stay a little bit late, I'm going to be late to my child. And they're not going to understand that you're late to your other obligations. Mm. They're not going to get that. They're going to say the work needs to be done. And it's like, I get the work needs to be done. But there's life outside. But of there's it. a, right. I'm right. I am. I am somebody when I leave here and it is not your worker past five o'clock. So when I came back from maternity leave with my son, I had told my director, I said, listen, I do not want to go in a position that requires me to be here later than a certain time. I need to be out by five o'clock. From that moment, I got pushed back the entire time until I got laid off. The entire time. Because I, because I put my foot down and said, I need to be out by five o'clock. And I stood by me being up by five o'clock. Right. You, 4.59, it was like, they're like, oh, your bag being, for, yeah, because fuck. No, no, 4.59, I was at the, the clocking out, 4.59. I'm like, forget bad being packed to be sure ain't nobody asking me anything. I'm out. The de- but, you, but you know what? There's actually, um, and again, because it's, it's TV, it's always like extra, either not so much dramatized, but like sometimes it's not like the real, real. But actually, I enjoyed the movie Single Moms Club. And there's actually one show on Netflix called Working Moms. And I even liked that the writer, who's also the actress, like shed light on the fact that like a lot of them are, you know, cis white women. She's like, so number one, it's like, it's a different narrative because we're white. And a lot of the jobs are like, they were like uh, therapists and like advertisers, but they were like, we still wanted to show, like, it was the same thing, like you said, like, oh, can you stay and do the presentation? And it wasn't funny, but like, she really just started crying and they was all just looking at her. And she was like, I'm sorry, it's just my son. And they were just like, uh okay because they were like poking fun at her because it's like oh you're staying late and you should be home and I think the real conversation with even the nine to five also with what you're saying is it's like a double-edged sword because then when you stay people poke fun at you because it's like oh you a bad mom you should be home but then when Mm -hmm. you're home it's like well maybe this position isn't for you right It, it it creates that it creates the or then, then you just feel bad as a mom because you're like, oh my God, I just left my child there for eight hours and I got to leave them there for another two hours. Or then you go into panic mode because you're like, I'm not going to get out. And like you said, a lot of white moms don't think about that because they may have the nanny. They may have the such and such, such, such. But like for most black moms, it's okay. Or even black and brown moms, not just, just not black moms, black and brown moms. Like we are like, okay, we got to find somebody to, uh, you know, come pick up the kid because, you know, the late people going to be, you know, ten dollars per minute and you're like okay that's expensive my check is only such and such and such and such and it's like it it creates a full pandemonium full pandemonium because you're just like i can't leave because you risk losing your job and then you risk not having a paycheck but then you're like i'm subjecting my child to staying here longer when they've already been here and then you're like i'm i'm missing out on precious time with my child so yeah we get up at five o'clock by the time you get home it's six six thirty gotta eat Got to get them fed, you know, got to get them fed, got to get them bathed and got to get them down. What time did you spend with your child? And God forbid you have an activity somewhere in there. God forbid you have an activity. Like you're not getting them, like you're not getting them down to close to 10 o'clock. And then A, what time do you have for yourself to debrief from work, to debrief from getting the kids down? And then it's like, like I said, you're just like, I miss so much time with my children. So it's a push and a pull, you know, it's like, you need to work. Yes. 
but then I wish there were organizations and companies that were mindful of motherhood. I know going back um, to work after this whole coronavirus ends, I will be looking for something that is one run by a woman (laughs) because nine times out of 10, um, usually in my experience, the women at least have one child. If not, they usually have one. So they understand motherhood. And then two, that's something that's a little bit earlier. Um, because like I said, once I'm, I've noticed once there's a white man somewhere on top, it doesn't work well. Like it like does it. Once I look at that board, I'm just like, nope. It's like, yeah, it's just like, ah, you know, listen, I, we've, we've been told, I remember my friend went to a meeting with like the executive director at her job and his legit reply to her, a black, she went off, was like, you just need to have tougher skin. And she was like, I am a black, a black woman in America. Yeah, you're, fa- how you, first of all, how you tell an employee to just like, I think you need tougher skin. She literally was just like, first of all, you have these black kids on the wall like as you donate money to them like i am black so it's like don't think because you have pictures with black people doing fundraisers you think you know something like and with with that point and this is where again like i think being a black mom and a mom of color so much deeper and it's like i often think about this because you know i do see myself one day having children and like you said whatever um aspect that could be because you know especially when you hear people who it's like they can't get pregnant or different things it's like gosh, like now I wonder, like, is that me? So like going back into family history, like, hey, what does pregnancy look like for our family? But another question that I went, like, I've asked some of my friends, especially when it comes to being a black mom with sons, like, what are those conversations and those fears that you have? Honestly, let's living in modern day America, because I think there's another layer of mental hardship and mental depression. When you see like, you know, like for me, I'm, I'm six two, right? So my brothers are like six one and like six five, and my parents often are like, you know, this is a, a you're a tall black man. <laughs> like my parents literally like you are a tall black man in America. You have to do this. You have to know this. And it's like you know, in some aspect, it's like normalized that we have these conversations. But looking at it from, I'm a sibling, so I don't really see it. But I'm looking at it from a parent like you might leave and not come back to my house because I don't understand. So it's like you know, being a black mom of sons who are so like the narration of criminalizing them as as violent in today's time frame like what are those honest conversations you recognize you have to have and like what does that feel like in this day-to-day you know looking at the news looking at the narration of black men so I, me instantly when I had my sons can I, I'm gonna be very transparent when I had my boys I said oh my god I have two black boys that's the first thing I said. It wasn't, oh my God, I'm having boys. It was literally, oh my God, I have two black boys. And then my, my children are from two separate men. So my oldest son is um, darker skin. So I have a darker son and then I have a lighter skin son. So like I said, instantly, both of them, I was like, oh my God, they're going to have some, 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 come, against, some come up against some things. I feel it more with my darker skin son just because he is darker and I know that they tend to tar- target darker skin um, children and boys and men. My baby boy <laughs> is very light, very light. He has very curly hair, like complete opposite of my oldest. So I have two separate points, I guess, or two separate visions with them. So like I said, instantly off the bat, when I said I was having boys, I said, oh my God, I'm having two black boys. Then I had my first son and I said, oh my God, my son is dark skin. 
he is going to be a hefty little boy and he is going to be tall. I said, first, everybody, I said, education is going to be something I need to focus on. As crazy as that sounds, because everybody's going to pinpoint him to do a sport, right? So I was like, I need to focus on education with him. And then I said, another issue that I would have is, obviously, we know shooting when he's a little black boy, he's a boy, you know, he's gonna, I don't want him to be out and something happens. And, you know, it, it as, as much as that sucks, like to know, like you think your friend said him to leave and not come back or him to, you know, want to go to a store and get picked on. Or even if he chooses to date somebody outside of his race, like, I don't want these things to happen to him. It's like these conversations of, you know, be mindful if you choose to date somebody outside of your race. Be mindful when you go into a car. Don't have your hood up. Make sure you show your hands all the time. Make sure with my with my darker skin scent, those are more things that I, the things I more so think about. With my lighter skin scent, I think about how he's going to feel and is he going to be treated differently in a good way because he's lighter skin? Does that make sense? Like, that, like no, I feel no, I feel that. And when you're done, I have actually some feedback on that. I feel that, and like you said, these are the honest conversations. Like these are this is real. Like I feel like although my my light skin son is a black boy, I feel like he's light skin. He has curly hair and whiter features than my darker skin son. His dad is black, but his dad is light skin, fine hair, you know, whiter skin, whiter features than I guess, you know, somewhere there's some, you know, white in there. And it shows more with him. So the conversation is yes, it's still be mindful. Don't don't have these things, but I feel like he's not going to have as much pushback like my darker skin son will which is colorism simply it's based off the color of their skin because he's lighter too what's acceptable opposed to what my darker skin son is he's further away from what's acceptable at this moment so i you know the conversations like are a little different from because like i said just because i have two or my mindset i should say is a little different because i have two separate complexions son that's <laughs> two separate black two separate black experiences that are going to happen yeah so it's is and then in my mindset i'm also thinking how is that going to work with the two of them like how yep. is that going to work how is that going to work because i have the darker skin and i have the lighter skin is my darker skin going to feel like he is less than because my lighter skin doesn't necessarily have the troubles he may have i mean i could be completely wrong but that's just what i feel like from your experiences as well too because it's like you right yeah seeing things like color like we've all seen colorism so you're looking Colorism, right? This is now in my household. Correct. So my my darker skin, you know, like I said, darker skin. Um, you know, his hair is still beautiful, but it's just the texture is tighter. He has a tighter texture. And my my light skin son is just kind of like flowy hair and just the complete opposite. And I just hope the experiences are not terrible for them. But I know, like you said, because of colorism there are going to be different experiences. And I just hope that it doesn't impact the house that much. Mm. Hopefully. Like they'll still have that bond and not hate that each, yes. each other. Because they are going to have completely different experiences, completely different experiences as far as when it comes to their color. Mm. I, 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 I think that's a very, 
and like I said, that's very introspective, but I think that's very honest because, and why I was so happy you made that point because my older sibling is literally like fair skin. Like people think he's white with freckles, mm-hmm. green eyes. And if it honestly wasn't for the fact that he had dreads, I'm pretty sure people would just think he was some like white skin guy. Like when people have mm-hmm. seen him, they're like, oh, like your brother. And I'm like, yeah. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, my brother's here. And they pointed to like all these other people. I'm like, nah, he's here. And every, it's the same thing. You mean the white guy? I'm like, he's not white. He, and it's honestly, he's not even light. It's not like, he's actually like my mom, we joke, we're like, you know, I am considered light and I didn't think I was considered light. And I'm like, well, my brother is lighter. They're like, no, 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 that's fair skin. So it's like, we go from fair skin to like you said, a darker complexion, but you know, family, my grandfather, I've had cousins who didn't know my grandfather was black. They're like, oh, I thought he was white all this time. And it's like, no, he's just, (laughs) he's just fair skin, green eyes. Right. So I have grandpa, brother, fair skin, green eyes. Me and my younger brother, we're pretty, like, we look like twins. People think we're twins, which I hate. Right. He'll always say, oh, we're twins. I'm like, he's lying. I am two years older than him. <laughs> and people, when they hear me get mad, they're like, oh, so you're the older twin? I'm like, we're not twins. Please drop the subject. Like, he just, he knows it gets under my skin. And then my younger sister, honestly, we always like, what island did you come from? Because she came out with, like, the hair, like, Troy Palomalo from the Steelers. And, Ooh. like, rich, dark skin, like my mom with the red undertones. Like, people be looking at her with us, like what like we're and we all just look and this is the kicker like as i'm sure you see we all look the same all of our facial structures are the same you can tell we're related but when people see our complexion that throws them off like when they see mm. our skin they're like oh who I, we've had people say who's adopted who's who's this who's that and it's like no no one's adopted we just have all different things and the biggest thing my mom said which is why when you said that it made me reflect was and she's been openly saying it when she had children she hoped that if she had daughters and we came out different because my mother is you know darker you know dark darker skin with like I said red tones and my dad like people think he's mixed all the time her hope was that if she had daughters we would be spread out which me and my sister are we're eight years apart she said because she knew we would be treated differently she's like because when I had you she was like I'm like okay so if another girl comes she said it she was like we couldn't have been the age of me and my brother. Like if that would have been my sister, that was her biggest fear because she didn't want people, which is upsetting because we're eight years apart and people have literally said like, why why is she so dark? Who's the other parent? Who's this? And I'm like, yo, she's a child. Like she, like you're talking to her like this and she's like five. And it's like, she's looking at me like, am I not pretty? Cause I'm dark. And it's like, no, you know, you're beautiful. But if people are willing enough to compare two siblings who are eight years apart, I understand like these conversations because like I said, my mom openly said that was her biggest fear was that I'm gonna have two daughters who are one's light and one's dark. And then I'm gonna have to deal with this. Like, yeah, he think, you know, they think, cause I've even had, you know, people say like, Oh, you think you're better cause you're lighter. And it's like, no, like, um, I actually wrote a poem about that. It's like, no, like that's just my complexion. My attitude has nothing to do with my complexion. And people think she's tougher or she's this or even something as simple as her hair, because my hair, as I'm sure you can see, is a lot coarser. It's curly, but it's coarse. Her hair is very mm-hmm. flowy, like I said, and people have even commented that, you know, oh, they think my hair is, oh, you're so Afrocentric, and her hair is very interesting. I'm like, what you basically said was, because she's the darker one, she's supposed to have, quote unquote, like nappy hair, and mm-hmm. lighter, and my hair is like very textured so you're like oh it's afrocentric i'm like it's not afrocentric right. it's an afro like i'm i'm black and they're like oh well you look like you mix so like i said experiencing it on my and my sibling level i understand what you're talking about because i've ex- we've, we've all experienced like well 
who's adopted, who's another parent, who's this. And it's like, yes. like we just look different. Like, and we all look the same. That's the funny part. Our facial, ex- our faces are all, we all are similar. We look alike, but our, our color is just different. I remember when I uh, had my youngest son going into the daycare and they were like, well, who's your child? And I'm oh like, oh, the, her all the, the one right there. The one right there, the, the Genesis, the light, the, that one right there. Oh, you're his mom? You guys saw me pregnant. Like, like you guys saw me oh pregnant. Oh my gosh, you need to talk to day. my mom. My mom literally said she's done that. They're like, which they brought, this is, and this is how bad it is. My mom has said it's gotten to the point where they brought her out other children. And she's like, no. And they've literally been like, oh, but he's light. And she, she, she got an apology from a teacher once because the teacher like didn't mean to say it, but she's like, oh, well, the Brandon in my class, like he's white. And my mom was like, mm-hmm. and the one I have is light. And he got it. She sent home a letter because she recognized like, did you just like, you said that was colorism. You can't just say like you're the kid you're supposed to have. Like she sat down with some girl's name and was like, okay, so we hear about like, Shania and they're like mom's like who's Shania like I'm here for him (laughs) like what all all her life and you know like you said going back to motherhood since that's like the center of this conversation now that I'm older I can only I can't even imagine how that must weigh on a mother's mind like people don't even think your child is yours like you they is yours like my mom's like people have brought out other kids like oh here's your daughter and it's like who's that listen to this I was (laughs) in Target and the lady said to me oh who do you nanny for I said, who do I nanny for? Oh, oh. I said, oh my this is my child. <laughs> because, you know, he, as he got a little older, he got like a tent to him. He's still very light, but got a tent, had, has a tent to him. Mm-hmm. He was first born, he was very, 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 very fair skin. Very fair skin. And she literally said to me, I was in Target, she said, oh, who do you nanny for? And I said, um, this is my child. Yes, he just has a lighter dad. <laughs> like his dad, just a little lighter. I was so thrown off by that. But I was like the nerve of her, the audacity of her to even be like, oh, who do you nanny for? Like if I did nanny for somebody, like that's normal too, for me to have a job and to take care of somebody's child if I needed to. That every part of the conversation was problem. I like that every part was problematic. Like if I nanny, that's, that's okay. okay. So that's number <laughs> one. But then on second, I'm like, this is my child. Like I'm clearly loving on him. I'm clearly like engaging him. Like I'm clearly like acting as a mother, not a nanny. And it threw me. And I was just like, wow. First, I was just like, wow, white people amaze me. Like, they amaze me. The stuff that they can formulate at their mouth sometimes and be, like, certain in their conversation. I was like, wow. People say, and then get mad. And they get mad. When I, colorism. Like, when colorism comes yeah. out, they mouth, then we mad that you said it. And it's like, that's, that's racist. Like, my one friend openly, like, she will just put colorism in with racism. She's like, I don't even say it's colorism. She's like, if people ask me, I'm like, it's colorism. She's like, but it's just racism. We just gave it a little segment. So it's like, you said something racist and I'm supposed to just be like, okay with it. That's like, and why do you feel the need to say anything? That's one thing I tell people, just let's go back to first grade. If you don't have anything nice to say, because like you said, what was even the point of asking you that question? Like, I'm like, you walked away from it. You looked at me, I looked at me. You, we looked at each other and it was just an awkward, like, girl this is my baby like move out my way I'm trying to get the formula and go out the door like you know it, she said now I'm on a mission because you made me mad too she's like so now I'm extra done you're in my store. way and you just said something crazy like it, it the but the people the thing is that in society we make it so comfortable to just say stuff about mothers and just openly come up to mothers and have conversations like oh oh well this is this your baby is this your this is this your that 
like who even gave you permission to talk to me like who gave you permission to even have these conversations or even ask me anything about my child like but we're just so like comfortable with it i i like that just so comfortable we we i remember when we did the um we was in school, what we do, that little baby thing. And like they had like, you know, they get creative now. My parents were like, oh, we used to just have an egg or a doll. Like, no, we got the talking doll and we were supposed to wear a band. Oh, I had that too. So like, it's so like, you know, when you walk away and then cry and then my mom, I love my parents. They're like, cheat, take the band off and put it by the baby. We tired of this noise. So, but it, like you said, even having a fake doll. So there's multiple levels of this because people, obviously I'm in high school. So like they seeing me walk around and, you know, it was supposed to show you what it would be like, you know, like, oh, you out to dinner and then the baby cries. But really what it showed me, like you said, was the social norms. People were looking at me like, oh, like she like 15 with a baby. And then when people found out what it was a doll, they're like, oh my God, it's a doll. I thought it was real. And like you said, oh, what if it was? Like what? Because that was my, like I, people always laugh. I'm like, I had, I feel like a higher level of thinking at a young age. I'm like, wait a minute. Ain't nobody peeped that. Like they was, they was, they're happy that it's a doll. So for my even younger even young mothers who are in high school or in college, especially black, why do we judge them? Like, oh, like, you know, I thought it was a doll. Oh, it's fake. Oh, that's good. Why? What would your, what would your commentary have been if this was a real, was a real yeah. it was a real baby? They just, it, the nerve of people and particularly white women, because actually my experiences have been primarily with white women. They, it really has. Like, I can't sit here and say, Black women, they give you kind of the stance like, mm, she's doing something wrong, maybe a little bit, but they won't necessarily be as open and boisterous as I think white women will be. Or it'll be, I think, a comment sometimes like, let me just help you out. Just do this. And then the walk away. Like, depending on, I feel like sometimes the age of like Black or mother, mothers, no. I feel like sometimes. I've gotten some ones, I've gotten some comments too. Like, huh? like I remember my son had a, a tantrum in the middle of um, Target, because Target seems to be out of store. And I remember mother saying, well, you need to beat him. DCPMP is real. Like, DCPMP is real. And also, like, educate yourself. That makes, uh, that causes aggression. Like, that causes aggression in, right. aggression in little black boys. Like, I don't want my son, my son to be aggression. And I don't want him to be normalized by me whooping him in Target. And like, the, I don't want. The, yeah, that anger, that energy, and normalizing, like you said, that violence. Especially, like you said, on top of all these thoughts you're already having, now I'm going to throw in physical, on you top know. Of that like no that's like and but it goes back to what you said I'm the parent right now like I like you said you could come out and say something if you feel I am like if I lock my child in the car like yes gladly be like hey no she's like but if I'm sitting here and they having a tantrum and I'm trying to talk this out or if I'm like hey we're not gonna do you don't have to stop and make me feel like I am less than a mother and it's like that's what I think is why I love your platform because I think it it's like I said and this is coming from someone who is not a mother but I think it's really sometimes disheartening, you know, when you see this. And like, I've literally had my friend say, you know, she's like, I used to be when I was younger, like, why don't people want to be mom? She's like, but now that I am a mom, she's like, honestly, I'm like, sometimes do you because it's hard. Like, it's hard when you have everything coming from everywhere. And like you said, everybody got an opinion. Everybody. And I think like, um, one of the questions and because I, I had like, but like this conversation, I love talking with people because I think it took its own form in this way because like I said I, like, I don't think I expected it to go this way but your experience is like making me even reflect on my experiences as a sibling and thinking about like well what is would my motherhood story be is when it comes to 
having these, you know, conversations with mothers and, and being a mom, what is some advice, you know, because, you know, uh, Modern Melanin Mom is about uplifting and having the safe space, you know, so what message would you leave to mothers, you know, any mother, but especially mothers who are mothers of color about their experiences and just, it's okay to not be okay. And I know people say that a lot, but I think moms need to hear it too. Like, it is okay to be like, yo, like everybody is just really making me mad right now. And like, if I could clock, if I can clock out of motherhood, I would clock out of motherhood, like for a few days. Like, like you said, it's 24. My mom used to tell me straight up, she was like, <laughs> same thing you said. They would be like, oh, you late. If you knew what it took for me to get to my desk in the morning, you wouldn't question me. You would not question me if you saw she because think and I remember one point again reflecting there was three of us in the house because my older brother he's like and again we're spread out he's 20 years older than my younger si sibling so it's like we're we're very spread out so at one point three of us were all in three different schools high school middle school elementary school and she was like honestly she's like you don't even know like those are three so my morning started at 4 a.m because I got to make sure from 4 a.m to 8 30 everybody's day get started because high school, middle school, elementary school. And I'm like, you know, I think about it. And everybody wake up with their own problem, their own energy. And then if we if we interconnect as siblings, so now you got to think of like, they in the bathroom, they do this. And it's like, yo, like I have a job to get to and y'all not on my schedule. She's like, every when you're a mom, it's everybody else's schedule. Everybody else's schedule before your own. It's literally, I can say, both my boys, thank God, go to the same school, but um, because they're in daycare, because they're still really small. Um, but even just trying to get them out, it's, you know, seven's like, oh, you know, mommy, I want to get this toy. Oh, mommy, I want to do this. And then Genesis, I changed and then he just threw up. So I got to change the shirt again. Okay, that's another 20 minutes. Okay. But mommy still has to shower. Okay. Okay. You're hungry now? Okay. Trying to, get, like, got to get out. And it, it's hard. It's It's not easy when it comes to time and getting them out like time management is uh difficult it's difficult it's a very difficult to have time management it's very very hard as a mother because so many things pop up you know like i'll give an example so when when the coronavirus started you know it was oh the school's open the school's not open the school's open the school's not open okay but mommy still has to be there work at nine like how does this work and then it wasn't something that was consistent it wasn't like okay well the school's going to be open or closed for x amount of weeks it was the school is open right now on a week-to-week -week basis how do you tell your boss that hey um every week I'm going to have to let you know if I'm coming or not, you know, like, it, like, or what the situation is, you have to figure it out. And it's, it's, you literally run everybody else's schedule. You run on the school schedule. You run on, oh my gosh, everybody else's schedule, literally. And it's tough. It's, it's, it's one of those things, but then that's when you have to realize, you know, then you, in that sense, you have to realize which one's more important. So is your job more important? Is motherhood more important? with this whole coronavirus and the whole everything going on, I realized that motherhood was more important to me over my job. As much as I need a job, there's always going to be a job somewhere, but I'm not going to get these experiences back with my children. Like even at this right. young age, I'm not going to get these experiences back. So my advice to mothers would be think about yourself because so often as mothers, we put ourselves secondary and I, and I'm learning this now as a mom of two, like I'm like, I didn't even get this the first child. I was all about my job. Um, but when I became a mother of two, I was like, listen, it's kind of like that, um, that expression when the air mass drops in the airplane, you have to 
yes, you, I you have to do it yourself time. first and you have to do your kids. You really have to, because if you burn out, you are not effective for either one of your children. Any of like, you're not effective at all. Like your kids depend on you more than you know. And I had to step back and realize that my children depend on me a lot, like a lot. And I really had to be like, okay, Jack, what is going on? You need to self-care. Like, you need to self-care it up. So even if it's something as small as, like, I don't have a whole bunch of time because, like I said, my children are still very small. So I don't have the hours and hours and hours and hours. I'm that mom. I don't want everybody watching my children. So if I can get 10 minutes in the tub, I will throw a bath, um, a bath bomb in the tub and have my 10 minutes to myself and keep it moving. Or even just, you know, going to get your feet done. Yes, it may be an hour, but it's an hour for you to reflect and have your mind and have a piece of you. And crank your music up as loud as you want to because you know you don't do it when you got the kids in the car right um but it's just self-care is the most important thing I think and trying to stay on a routine is very hard but a routine is the best thing for you because you're able to know okay I have this two hours before the night is over to watch your housewives of Atlanta or to watch whatever you want to watch on TV you have your two hours to be like okay and that has been a struggle for me because with my first son, I um, had it passed down, right? Had my second son, it became a little harder because like you said, when you have, the more children you have, the less attention you kind of give to the first one and the one before that and the one before that because the needs are different. So with my son's, my second son's father, um, he kind of took over with my oldest, for, you know, while I had the small baby and he jacked up the whole routine okay my, my oldest want to sleep at like two o'clock in the morning so routines do get knocked off but it's important to have a routine so I'm trying to get back on a routine right now <laughs> but, mm-hmm. um to have a routine even if you stray, it's like you have it like you said you have so having it right so now that um we're out of that space we're in a different space um I'm trying to get him back on the routine of you know going to bed at not at eight o'clock so I can get my little like I said housewives of Atlanta catch the reunion you know stuff like that but it's about but it takes time you know because as you go along your kids go along so they may not require as much they might they may want to step a little bit longer and to just kind of just let yourself be as a mom like you're you're not going to like everything that you do you are going to be upset with yourself you're going to have your highs your lows your in-betweens your moments where you're like am I a good mom and it's okay to feel like that. It's okay to have those moments. It's okay to have those insecurities as a mother because motherhood is an everyday up and down, up and down, up and down. There's nothing that's consistent in motherhood besides you being a mother or having children. There's nothing other than that that's right. consistent. Because your children, your children are growing and changing every single day. There's nothing. So it's okay to say it's okay that this didn't work out. It's okay that we eat at 8.30 instead of 8 o'clock. That's okay. But you have to let it go and not live on it because that also a big thing causes anxiety in your children just like mm-hmm. that. so when you're ang- when you're anxious and stuff's not on right on point it makes the children anxious like whether or not you actually know it it really does I mean that's the those are the biggest things but my thing like I said most is just self-care because once you have that self-care everything else will kind of fall into play because mm-hmm. like you said you're you're pouring back into yourself and I like I said this conversation really interesting and really made me open up to you know motherhood in a new light like I said even being someone who's not a mother at this point I do feel I've already experienced like preparing people for motherhood I feel like even just being a unit and because everyone in some aspect is a unit in a family even if your family is not prevalent in your life 
that is still what your experience of a family is. You are in, uh, just an independent person. So being someone who is one of four siblings, you know, um, being able to see that way that we worked and now being older and looking back and reflecting on like, you know what, I can see why they was getting mad because it's like, I'd be mad too if it's like, I pushed all y'all out of my body and you talking back and you don't want to go here and you don't want to, <laughs> like, yeah, I'm mad, I'm frustrated. Like you said, I just, and I just want to sit down and eat my food that I picked up and it's like everybody I walk in the door got like, it's like a, my mom's biggest line. And to this day, I'm going to be 25 next month. Never have seen it. Anytime I would have complaints, she would be like, that's window number nine. And window number nine has always been closed. Like I would really talk and she'd be like, you could take it up a window number nine. And then she would turn and be like, we are closed. And I've never <laughs> seen window number nine open. I don't know where these complaints go now. I just... I just have them. Um, but I think this conversation was very needed. And I think what you're doing with Modern Mel and Mom of having that safe space, having those meetups, having a blog, which I write of people telling their stories about motherhood, even the frustration of, like you said, I went to the store and someone said this and it's like, now I'm like, am I a bad mom? And I think those are all important. So I would like you to stay encouraged do, through that. Because like I said, as someone who's not even a mother, but as someone who is a black woman, who sees himself having children, it makes me think about these things, you know? And I think what you're doing is helping even people like me be more prepared for the unpredictable, you know? Because I feel like it's very taught, like, this is the standard, you're supposed to do this. And having friends who are at the stage of motherhood has shown me like, okay, well, guess what? Any, first of all, number one, anything is gonna happen, so you can't even prepare because, you know, you could, you could think you are gonna go like this way and then boom, nothing happens. But I think even knowing that, is helpful and not having this yeah. level of a perfect expectation. So I also wanted to say that because it's not only helping mothers, like I personally feel like it has helped me to be able to be okay with like, even being scared, you know, of like, hey, like I want a family, mm -hmm. but I'm really nervous about like, well, what if I get depressed one day? Like, am I gonna be a good mom? And it's like, like I've seen a blog talking about depression. It's okay, you will be, you will lay there some days and it's like, I'm coming. And you're just like thinking about your life, like, wow, like what is happening? So. <laughs> and even to that, like, even to that, like you saying that I, it's funny because I'm, I'm going to put out a, a post on my blog about even your spouses. So to get and to recognize a spouse that understands and is conscious of the things that go on through motherhood, because a lot of spouses are not conscious of that. A lot of spouses think that you are supposed to jump right up after you have a baby and you are supposed to snap back to the same person or before you had a baby. That's very unrealistic. And these are conversations that people should be having before they have children because it, it creates that 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 gap it creates that wedge when the baby comes and you're like well why are you not doing the things you were doing before um i'm going through a whole depression right here but i'm expecting you to do this the expectation needs to be known and let be let it be known that i'm going to be a different person after i have my baby i'm going to be a different mom i'm going to be a different jack i'm going to be a different woman it and you have to give that space and that, that space to even, you have to get, you just have to give that space when that happens. I guess that's the best way to say it. And I'm trying to think, I was trying to think of a word to put it in, but it's literally, you just have to give that space. space. You just have to give that space because you're with your spouse a lot and your spouse can make or break and cause depression can cause a lot of a lot of issues that's why I, I do love that I did modern melanoma it, it's a little sometimes confusing because you know I'm still trying to figure this you know with a social work background and trying to figure this out and make this kind of like a different type of platform I'm still trying to figure it all out to some degree but I'm, I'm glad I'm able to have a space where we're all able to come together 
and have these conversations because women don't think like this. Like you said, most women don't think, oh my God, how's my spouse going to respond if I have depression? Is he going to expect me to do the things that I normally did before having a child? They don't think about these things. People don't think about these things. Like you said, going back to work, they expect you to jump right into it. And it's just like, I still have the stitches and staples in me. I still have have staples. I still have a mindset. And like you said, it's different. So where can we find your blog? Where can we find your page? Like, how can people stay connected? So I'm on Instagram at Modern Melanin Mom. Um, Facebook, Modern Melanin Mom also. And then I have a blog, just ModernMelaninMom.com. I keep it kind of consistent all the way around. And um, so the event's on hold right now, obviously, because of the virus. So when all that dies down and we get back to the new norm, then we will get all these events up. So I'm excited. It's, it's, it's work. It's a lot of work, but I think it's important because we don't have these spaces and it is something that is much needed, much needed. Mm-hmm. And it's, and I'm happy that you're doing it. And so we will definitely encourage, I encourage everyone to stay connected with you, to follow, you know, whether you are a melanin mom, or like I said, you're someone just as myself, who's ever considered motherhood, or even if you're any person, you know, that is a person in general, because like you said, whether you're someone's spouse, whether you're somebody's friend, you know, cause that even looks like, Hey, you know, you might be a guy and it's like, okay, well, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to be a mom, but Hey, it could look like you may be supporting your sister, your friend, your whatever, now that you have this information. So Jackie, I'm looking forward to seeing all these events coming together. I'm looking forward to seeing everything, you know, flourish for you. And I continue to hope that you have these honest conversations because I know they can be uncomfortable for many people, but they're needed. And thank you so much for speaking with us today on, as I was saying, podcast. Thank you for having me. Bye. Bye. I don't know about y'all, but I felt that episode so much. Having siblings and having to see the colorism amongst us. uh, I never thought about how we don't prepare properly, you know, anybody for, for parenting. Like, you know, we just kind of people get pregnant and it's like, okay, great. Like, let's start this now instead of really talking about the real tea about having a child and the idea, like I didn't even think about it uh, from Jackie when, until Jackie said it, even the aspect of traumatizing, you know, women in the aspect of giving them dolls, giving them these toys, making childhood and motherhood seem really easy and putting this expectation that that's what it's going to be. And then the reality sinks in. And, you know, even for some not being able to carry a child, like, I never thought about any of this, you know, and I think when we talk about the toxicity, you know, of forced parenthood, motherhood specifically, we got to look at all of this. And as I said in this this episode, talking specifically about motherhood for black mothers, for women of color, it's like, wow, there's so much we worry about, right? A lot. And as I'm sure y'all saw last week, we just did not have an episode. And I think, as I stated before, and two episodes prior on the defunding the police for sexual violence prevention and mental health, it's been a lot. It's really been a lot. And I never want to disappoint anybody waiting for my content, anyone waiting to you know see my work. But I encourage everybody to take a break when it's necessary. I encourage everybody to take a break when it's needed. Because guess what? We can't do this if we're tired. We can't do this if we are literally just exhausted and we're going to get exhausted and we're going to get tired but it's okay to be still 
it's okay to take a break. It's okay to worry about your mental health. And I would also like to end that on that note because this episode, I feel, really just showed me that I was not, you know, going, you know, bananas or overanalyzing what it means to have black children. And in fact, even the desire to find joy in creating a child is in a sense traumatic as far as thinking about what the outside world will do. So we need those breaks. We need those moments. We need those times to ourselves. Once again, everybody, my name is Shia Tyler Jacobs and I am the host of As I Was Saying podcast. I thank you for listening. If you are a new listener, thank you for joining us today. If you're a more seasoned listener, well, thank you for coming back because you don't have to. Subscribe to our channel. Follow us on IG. If you want to learn more about me, shewillspeak.com. If you want to be a guest on the podcast, please hit up as I was saying.com. No, I lied. We don't have a website. Scratch that. Hit up She Will Speak. I'm tired, y'all. And click podcast. And there's actually going to be um, the podcast is going to come up and it's going to say interview with us. Okay. Thank you again for joining. And as I said, get some rest. We all need it. <laughs>